two-thirds of us maybe. I just want to just, I really felt to finish this off, um, God was, I actually had a lot of people contact me during the week and said thank you for the word last week, so I'm believing that God was really speaking to some people through the word. I know you're speaking to me, Um, so let's just commit this time to God and we'll just go into that again, eh? Lord, we want to thank you for what your spirit is doing in us and amongst us. Lord, we thank you that just as you know the number of hairs on our head, that you know exactly what we're going through. You know exactly what's happening. You know exactly our thoughts. You know it all, God. And we thank you that you take your word and you bring it alive. And Lord, we simply say by your spirit, be glorified today as you take your word and bring it alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week in Nehemiah 4, we, we, we looked at, um, Nehemiah 4 was the chapter that, that God really brought out about Nehemiah starting the vision, amen? Starting the vision of rebuilding the wall and, uh, you know, they took to work, they had a willing heart, they were willing, you know, it's like you, when, when something fresh happens, it's, you know, you can get excited about it, can't you? You can get excited about something fresh and whether it's a fresh relationship or a fresh job or a fresh vision, fresh whatever, you get excited about that. So they were willing and they gave themselves to that. But then in the midst of that, the enemy started to attack. And we spoke about that last week, about the attack where the enemy whispers all this stuff, that's not going to happen, that's not going to happen. And there were some people that started to believe those lies and they said, look at all this rubble. Look at all the rubble around us. It's not going to, how, how on earth are we going to rebuild this wall? You know, and the Lord was really in, uh, speaking to us and encouraging us to continue to seek Him, to continue to trust Him, and to continue to press on in Him with faith, faith and perseverance. Amen? I've actually realised, looking back through Nehemiah 4, I've actually realised in my life there's probably been some, well, not probably, there has been some times where I started something but I didn't finish it. Or I didn't finish it as well as I could have finished it. Has anyone else ever been like that? You started something and then you kind of just petered out. You really didn't finish it. One of the lessons I learned along the way that God spoke to me and I always tell people is how you finish one season is how you start the next. It lays a platform or a foundation for your next season. It's always important. So that, so I guess I say that to a lot of people sometimes if they come to Restoration Centre and make Restoration Centre their household of faith, you know, to make sure you finish well. You have to finish well because it determines how you start. So anyway, I'm convinced, I suppose, that it's really easy that um, sometimes we can just go round and round and round and maybe we go round. We might even go round. We go round. Because we get out of the circumstance rather than persevering through it. And so we go round again. There's something that God wants to do in us. We primarily, probably in our thinking, think about what God's going to do through us. But God is more concerned about what he's doing in us. Because what he does in us will then just overflow and, and, and that will be the through us, won't it? Yes, it will. As God transforms us, the fruit of that then overflows in our life. 
So he's primarily concerned about what he's doing in us. And as he does something in us, then it becomes through us. E.g., when you get excited about Jesus, you want to share about Jesus with other people. Yeah? That's just one example. So, but I'm convinced that, you know, it's, it's easier to go around the mountain again. Because to go through something requires faith and perseverance. And our society is not filled with, well, it's not faith, but people who can persevere. Our society is now filled with people, when it going gets tough, I get out. It's not the Billy Ocean song anymore. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Remember that song? Yeah. I've got something to tell you. Anyway, that's... But society's not like that anymore. Things get tough so we get out rather than persevere through. I'm actually, you know, convinced of that in church life. When, you know, stuff is hard, it's easier just to go and, and leave and go somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't call us out at times. I'm not saying that. But I, but, but I am saying that God wants to build perseverance in us. Amen? And if we don't learn that, if we don't receive that, if we don't walk in that, then some, something happens and we have to go again. That's why we spoke last week about James. I'll just remind you, for those that weren't here, you're getting a bit of a, an overview. For those that were here, you're getting a bit of a top-up. Because we all need a bit of a top-up. We all need to be reminded. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature, complete, and not lacking anything. Therefore, if any, any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all and it will be given to him. Remember, in the context, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the thing that you're going through, ask God for wisdom. And, and, and I made a little comment, don't doubt in the darkness what you heard in the light. So often we hear something from God and it's so clear and we go, yeah, and then we go through something and we go through a bit of a, bit of a, a time, you know, and then we start to question everything. Don't doubt in the darkness what you heard in the light. The reason God spoke that to you is because you need to keep hold of that as you walk through that. But what happens, it's like too hard and you just put it down. No, 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 keep a hold of the word. Keep a hold of that so that when you go through it, you can, you, you can, you've got that as a source of encouragement and strength and hope. The word of God is alive. God gives us a scripture. God gives us a, a prophecy. God gives us something to help us through. Amen? Well, this week I want to just close all these thoughts and I want because the Lord led me to follow on and speak about building. James has already encouraged us. John has encouraged us. Others have encouraged us to get into the Word of God. There is a battle in the church over getting into the Word of God. There is nothing like opening this and getting into the Word and letting the Spirit of God bring it to life. That's why I'm still, yep, I'm still what they call old-fashioned. I like my paper one. 
because I get out my pen and I write notes and I get out my highlighter and I highlight it. You can't, I hate that on a phone. You just, it's not the same. There's something about this and there's something about it. I mean, this is my third Bible since I've been in Bundaberg because they, they just keep wearing out. I don't say that in a thing. I, I'm saying that, that, that it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So I encourage you again, get in the Word. Paul said this to the church in Corinth, and I know I touched on this many, actually I already don't know when I touched on this because 2020 has just disappeared. I don't know whether I, I touched on this in 2019 or early 2020. I can't remember. Where did 2020 just go? But Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Who? He says this in verse 10. According to God's grace that was given to me, I laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and someone else is building on it. See, that was part of Paul's, Paul's role in the church. You know that book that I shared about last week, The Reformation of Church Leadership? Man, it's good. It is so good. I was sharing it with Josh Hanley during the week and I was reading about evangelists and he's going, oh, man, that is me. Like, even the thoughts, processes, even the way that he views things, he's like, man, that is just me. It is, it is a really good book. Anyway, Paul's purpose was to lay foundations. He wasn't going to build upon it. He was laying foundations. He was laying foundations in cities and regions and in people's lives. That's why he didn't care how many people he baptized. He goes, well, I don't really keep account of how many people I baptized because that's not really, you know, my thing. You know, he's laying foundations in people's lives and he's laying foundations in cities for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we have his books in Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica. He's laying foundations in cities. That's a big vision. And then other people build upon it. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 onwards. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. How cool is that? How simple is that? How profound is that? It's not the latest mission statements and vision statements and, and, and programs. It's Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hail, straw, each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Isn't that, that, that's it, isn't it? It will be revealed by fire. You don't need to think too hard about this to realise that what happens with wood, hay and straw when they are touched by fire is they go poof. Well, they don't go poof, but... You know what I mean. They disappear. Did my bookmark just go somewhere? But what happens with gold and silver and costly stones is that they're refined. They're made even better in the fire. What? They're purified in the fire. Whew. If anyone's work um, that he has built survives, he receives a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved as only uh, as one through the fire. I'm not going to go to today. I spoke about that last time I spoke about this. Don't, uh, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and this is what you are. There's a plural in there, that you yourselves, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we together, the people of God in the city and region of Bundaberg, we are God's temple. And God's Spirit not only lives in us, He lives in us. That's why there's something happens when people start getting collectively together. And God is jealous for His temple, to put it in context. He is jealous for his temple. If one destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy. This is about a heavenly community on earth. That's what it's about. Jesus Christ is the foundation, the sure foundation, the immovable, the rock on which we stand. And his people together is the temple. We are living stones being built together. Amen? Living stones. We're not bricks and mortar. No building is a church. We are the church. The people are. We're living stones built together. For the demonstration of the kingdom of God. We are not living stones built together to just run programs and just have a little holy huddle. We are living stones being built together for a demonstration of the kingdom of God. That we would love one another and the world would go, that's what love is. That we would forgive one another and the world would go, wow, that's what forgiveness is. We would see the power and demonstration of God on display that the world of that the world would say, wow, there is a God. That we would see transformation and restoration of people's lives. That the world would go, wow, there is a God. He's not a mute idol. He's, he is. It was never about being a heavenly community just for our own sake. Amen? The wood, the things that are made with wood, hay and straw, they don't last doesn't last it's consumable and if i can be bold today across the western world we have consumer christianity i don't like that we pick and choose what we like and what we don't like we pick and choose what we want and what we don't want that's not scriptural that is wood hay and straw because it's consumable. We're going all right? Gold, silver and costly stones are purified in the fire. I shared last week of a friendship that went through a real hard time and now, you know, I consider that person a great friend. It was purified in the fire. Do we run from it? Do we run from it? And then we just go around the circle again. Or do we go, you know what, this, this, this person was a really good friend. And so I'm going to fight for this friendship. Not fight for it. I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to show grace. I'm going to show mercy. And, you know, we're going to open our hearts to each other even more. And they're going to become a greater friend. Any test in a relationship is an opportunity for it to get, get stronger. We have to model something different. 
don't we? Nehemiah was building God's way. God's way. That's what he was building. He had a vision from God. We have a vision from God. You might notice that we really don't have too much written there. We just got some core values stuff and some other stuff. But the, but, but the vision from God that we have is his kingdom come and his will be done. A vision from God that we have is to love others the way that God loves us. The vision that we have is to go and make disciples. We don't need any more vision. Jesus has given us the vision. Yeah, there's got to work some stuff out in there, but that's, isn't that enough? So Nehemiah had a vision. Someone once told, told me years and years ago that God is not obliged to fulfill your vision, but he will always fulfill his. That's why we can stand. Even when the, the winds are coming, we can stand because it's his vision for this city. It's his vision for this land. Amen? He's just looking for people that are willing to stand and believe. That's what he's looking for. Men and women, children, young and old, doesn't matter how, how young or how old you are, he's just looking for people that are willing to believe that all things are possible. So Jer um, Jeremiah, keep going, Jeremiah. Nehemiah had a vision. We have the vision. Nehemiah was God-dependent. He depended upon God. If we read the whole book of Nehemiah, and we won't go there today, but I encourage you to read it because it's fresh for today. Every time there was a battle, every time something was happening, where did he go? He went to God. He was a man of prayer. He was a leader, but he was a man of prayer. He was God-dependent. He looked to God. In the same way, it's not by might or by power, it's by the Spirit of God. We need to rely upon God. We need to be, you know, like, Everything, God. And the third thing, which I've just touched on, is that he was a man of prayer. He bathed everything in prayer. The church needs that again today. The church needs that again today. We need to bathe everything in prayer. That's why Friday nights as a corporate thing, as a, as, as a larger gathering, is so important. But it's also in your families, it's also in your homes, it's also in your personal life when you're at work during the day or you're driving the car along the road, you bathe everything in prayer. But how great would it be to see hundreds of Christians gather together in Bundaberg to begin to pray for the city? I look at it and go, how, what, why can't this happen? It's not about any particular denomination or fellowship. It's about, it's about the body of Christ. The, thought, the fourth thing that we looked at, or we look at when we look at Nehemiah, I'll go back to chapter 4. So I stationed people behind the lower sections, verse 13, of the wall at the vulnerable areas. Remember that. Remember we, we read last week that there were areas that were still not quite knitted together. There were still gaps. Like the gaps weren't fully closed. And we talked about if there's, a, if, you know, if there's an issue between you and someone or there's something else that God is speaking to you about, you need to close the gap. It gives the enemy no access. 
when you close the gap. But so there were still some vulnerable areas where they were building the wall in the natural. As they were building this wall, there were vulnerable areas. And he stationed them by families. We were never created to do this walk alone. I have a dream. I have a few, I, have a few, I suppose. <laughs> but I want to see whole families saved. Mom and dad and some kids being baptised together because of the new life that they've received in Christ. Nehemiah stationed them by families. You know, it takes everybody. It takes everybody. The enemy hates families. The enemy hates community. That's why he fights so hard. That's, that's, that, that's why we see the battles that we see. That's what we see in society. Because to God, he's our father. If you... You can read Leviticus, for example, in all kinds of ways, but if you read Leviticus with an eye on family and community, you'll see why God did and said what he said. He loves family. He loves community. It's his heart. So he placed them in families. And they built as families. They built the wall as families. And we're called to do things as family. We do things together as family. So we keep reading to chapter 6. This is the other bit that I want to close on and bring out today. Because we read in chapter 6, when Sanballat, Tobiah, Jesson, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies had heard that I had rebuilt the wall and there was no gap. So in chapter 4, there was gaps. In chapter 6, there's now no gap. Though it's the
She knows a lot about gardening anyway. But she was talking to me about this revelation that I thought, wow, this is, you, this is like, hello, this is nature saying to us, hello. There's this thing called monoculture, where if you just plant a plant that's of its same, in, same variety, that it is more open to pests and disease than if it's in a polyculture environment where it has different types around it. Nature is telling us that you need different trees, shrubs, plants around you to balance you out and to protect you. And it is the same in the body of Christ. We need different gifts. We need different perspectives. We need different people around us because they help protect us and they help ward off pests and disease. Because what happens if you, is if you only ever spend time with your own type, you can end up going off on an offshoot. Anyway, that was Bonnie's revelation. She'd probably say that better than me. Um, so they try to draw him out. That's not working. So what does he do next? The enemy brings a false prophet to look like this is God's word to you. And Nehemiah's going, nah. You see, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. We need wisdom when we need discernment. And I've spoken about that before, that the church today, we desperately need wisdom. We desperately need discernment. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge, knowing what to do with, with what you know at the right time. But discernment, to, to know that, hang on a minute, that word was not a Holy Spirit word. Because that's what happens is they'll try and be false stuff will come through and try to just take you off the path, try to take you down a, down a different path. But Nehemiah was wise enough and he was God-dependent enough and he was a man of prayer. And so he continued on. He didn't play those games. Just as Jesus didn't play those games with the enemy when he's tempted in the wilderness, he goes, I'm not playing. Well, he didn't say it like this. But he said, I'm not playing those games. I know who I am and I know who my God is. And so Nehemiah was the same in a, in, in a sense that he had a mission, he had a vision, he, he had something that he needed to accomplish and the enemy would come in different forms, in different ways, but he said, no, 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 I know that God has called me to do this and I'm going to keep persevering, I'm going to keep pressing on. And this is what happened in, chapter, in verse 15 of chapter 6, the wall was completed in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard this... Did, do we, do we hear that? When all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence. Refer that to, let's go back to when they're taking the, when the, when the spies were going out to look at the promised land. This is just popping into my thinking, so I'm just going to go with this for a minute. You know, they sent the 12 out and they spied out the land and, of course, Joshua and, and you know, Caleb. Well, Caleb was the spokesperson. Joshua was there. You know, they want, you know, yeah, the cities are big and all this stuff, but you know what? We can take it. Because they knew that God said that was your land and they were going, we can take it. But the others started to spread rumors and going, we're like grasshoppers in their, in their eyes. We're like grasshoppers. That's not true. In fact, if we read the whole thing, the nations had already heard about what God did by parting the waters. They were terrified. 
when all when when the the war was finished, when they realized when they tried to deceive, they tried to get in, they tried to draw people out, they tried to bring false prophets, they tried all this stuff when none of that worked and they kept building and they kept persevering and they finished it, the nations surrounding them were intimidated and terrified and discouraged. We just need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know the finished work of Christ. We need to know, you know, that we are his people, that we are his sons, that we are his representatives, that, that, you know, that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and that what God is doing afresh right now is a restoration of New Testament Christianity. He doesn't care for denominations. He doesn't care for these things. It's about households of believers. Yeah, we put a banner over that from that point of view, you know, but we are the body of Christ together in Bundaberg. We are the body of Christ together in this region, Amen. It is his plans, it's his purposes, it's his kingdom, it's him. And we need the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. We need, we need the different gifts. We need the different things operating to bring us to a place of maturity. Amen? You know, I won't go there, crikey, it's just getting a bit late, isn't it? I'll, I'll just quickly, but I won't open scripture, I'll just go for it. Haggai was there when they were rebuilding the temple. So Nehemiah was focused on the wall, okay, and then there was the rebuilding of the temple. So if you read Ezra chapter 5 and uh, chapter 6, you'll see that Haggai was there when they started to rebuild. He was prophesying God's word to the people about the temple being rebuilt, amen? And if we forward all the way through to chapter 6 verse 14, we say that we, we read that the people... The people of God continued to prosper under the preaching of Haggai, and he was there till they finished the work. You see, Haggai wasn't just there at the start saying, Carsten, this is what you need to do, mate. You know, this is what God's saying to you. No, no, he was with them all the way until that was accomplished, until it was done. That's the prophetic ministry. And that's why I don't think we realize that we're blessed by Katie, who has a heart to continue to come to us. Because she doesn't want to just prophesy something. She wants to encourage us to see it built. And so when she came a few weeks ago and she said, I'm feeling God's telling me there's some weary warriors. And I want to just encourage you in God to keep believing because there's a little cloud on the horizon. It was a prophet coming to us to encourage us to remain true to the vision and the word of God. Somewhere in Western Christianity, we've got this pop culture where a prophet comes in and they prophesy over everyone and they collect an offering and they, they say, see you later. I'm sorry if I'm getting a bit ooh about this. But we need people who are willing to build. We need people who are willing to sacrifice. We need people who are willing to labor to see the plans and purposes of God. Is anyone with me? You're all awake? Good on you, Eddie. I was, I was asking the Lord during the week, Lord, how do I finish up this message? Because I actually didn't know how to finish it. I could speak about this for a long time. But he reminded me of Isaiah 58, verse 12. I want to grab the music team and we'll... This is a verse of scripture that I'm holding on to. 
This is not just ink on a page. This is a prophetic thing that I'm holding on to. Don't you love just verse 11 before it as well? The Lord will lead you. The Lord will always lead you and satisfy you in a parched land. You know, we live in a parched land, but we need, I'm talking spiritually. I mean, yeah, we need some rain in the natural. That is absolutely true. But, you know, in a dry and desert or weary place, you know, the Lord waters us. Like a spring whose water, you will be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never runs dry. You know, the things of man run dry. Jason came and laid some grass in our backyard because we basically had no grass and we had one of those tanks. We put the tank on and we started to water. Guess what happened after a few hours? The tank ran dry. We had to revert to town water. <laughs> but it's a symbol. The things of man, they, they fail us at some point. The arm of flesh will fail you, the Word of God says. But we don't live that way. We live by the Spirit of God. A well that never runs dry. You will be like a watered garden and a spring whose water never runs dry. And in verse 12, it says this. Some of you will rebuild. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Speaking to the whole of God's people, some of you. Why some of you? Because only some of you are actually willing to pay a price. Only some are actually willing to stand and believe. Only some. Not all. But some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. There's nothing new under heaven. There's not a new thing. It's a restoration. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. The foundations of this region that were built upon Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel in this region. And you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. As James has given a brief testimony of the fact that God has restored him. It's the heart of God to see people restored. Relationships restored. It's the heart of God. It's his father's heart. It's his father's heart. What does that look like? I'm encouraging you to use your imagination for a bit. Because we, as Mark Crawford said to us earlier in the year, we often use our imagination with negativity. Remember? Someone messaged you and says we really need to catch up about something. Often our mind goes into overload. Oh man, what have I done? What do they want to talk to me about? You know, Mark encouraged us in God, in Christ, with the Spirit to use it for good. What does it look like to be a people that restore streets where people live? What does it look like to see Bundaberg restored? And you know when I say Bundaberg, it's the region. What does it look like to see it restored? What does it look like 
we turn a couple of chapters into Isaiah 61. What does it look like when, when, when it says they will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will restore the former devastations, they will renew ruined cities, the, devastation, the devastations of many generations. What does it look like? What does it look like? I said this a few weeks ago. It looks like that the strongholds of drug addiction are broken in families and in cities. It looks like that kids have a dad and they have a mum. It looks like the crime rate dropping. It looks like people that have turned to some other form of fulfilment that, of course, that's just temporary, all of a sudden find fulfilment in Christ. Because he is the one who satisfies. What does it look like? Can I encourage you with the gifts that God has given you, with the heart that he's given you, with the vision that he's given you, can I encourage you? What does it look like? We cannot enter into 2021 and just do the same program the same way because that's the way it was done. We can't do that. We're all called to disciple somebody. The greatest way to see the kingdom of God extended is that we all disciple somebody. And every year it's going to multiply and it's going to multiply and it's going to multiply. Every year. It's the simplest form. What does it look like? It's ministering to others in Jesus' name. When was the last time you invited somebody? A non-believer. Someone who hasn't yet encountered Jesus. When was the last time you invited them? To tonight. To your home group. You see, I actually believe if the Spirit of God is there, the Spirit of God will work. Some of the greatest testimonies have come. When people are going, oh, man, I can't believe I bought this person today because everything is just like really bad. It's all falling apart. And you know what? In the midst of that, they found Jesus or Jesus found them. So can I encourage you today? We need faith and perseverance to stay the course. We need to reset some things. We need to ponder some things because I'm not content with just a good program. I'm not content with just, you know what, that's worked pretty well. If I don't see a lot of fruit in it, then what's the point of doing it? And we need one another because we need to see New Testament Christianity restored. What does that look like? I don't have all the answers, but I have the heart to see it happen. I have the passion to see it happen. And I think we have that passion to see it happen. Amen. So Lord, we pray today. We thank you for the encouragement that we get when we read accounts of Nehemiah and the stuff that he went through. So many others in Scripture, but they stayed the course. You said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. You're looking for someone who would be strong and courageous. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. 
Lord, we thank you for the countless examples in Scripture we have of people who believed. We thank you for Noah, as we said last week, who, you, who looked foolish until it actually began to rain. We thank you for the encouragement that we get. And Lord, I want to speak encouragement over my brothers and sisters today to have the fresh vision, to receive the vision afresh of what it could look like here in Bundaberg, to have a heavenly community on earth. Lord, give us the vision. And help us to realize that each one of us has a part to play in seeing that vision come to pass. Forgive us where we put limitations on ourselves and where, we put, and, where, and where we projected those limitations onto brothers and sisters. Help us to be people that stir one another up to love and good works, to speak the word of knowledge into one another, to call out the treasure. Lord, we don't want to build with wood, hay and straw. We want, we want gold, we want silver, we want costly stones. We don't want consumer Christianity. We want the real deal. Help us to recalibrate where we need to recalibrate, to reset where we need to reset. Jesus. It's your kingdom come. And it's your will be done. How good is the grace of God? How amazing is the grace of God that we can run to the Father again and again and again and again and again and again. If there's a burden that you carry today, we're going we're to worship with this song, but again, it's not a bunch of words. If you're carrying a burden, give it to Him. Give it to Him. If you're carrying weight, if you're carrying something that's not of God, give it to Him. If you're carrying disappointment, you're carrying rejection, you're carrying, just give it to God and receive from Him because He is the God of transformation who transformed ashes into beauty, sorrow into joy. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Jesus.